podcast about the history of Germany. Last week we talked about the Weimar Republic and the problems or cracks that it had since the start. For example, the powers of the Chancellor. Today we are going to talk about how the National Socialists used these problems and the crisis at the beginning of the 1930s to establish a National Socialist dictatorship and how they secured their power afterwards. For that, I again have invited a guest, the historian and expert in the topic, Professor Dr. Brumme, and I'd like to welcome him to the podcast for today. Hello, it's very nice to be here, and thanks for the invitation to the podcast. And let's start with describing how the NSDAP got to power before discussing how they secured it. Sounds like a good plan. So, after strong election results for the NSDAP, Hitler became Chancellor in 1933. Von Papen then used Article 48 to create a new government because he thought he could control the National Socialists in it. He thought it was a way in the right direction for a new Imperial Germany, but not a National Socialist. Yeah, you are totally right here. Furthermore, after the burning of the Reichstag, the Reichstag fire degree was put into effect. It was an emergency degree giving the Nazis more power, so they were not bound to basic rights Due to that, they were able to do things like surveillance and home invasions to the German citizens. This gave them the opportunity to get rid of political opponents, especially KPD members. As you said, it seems like the Nazis are already in great power. But in March in 1933, they didn't even get the two-third majority needed to dissolve the parliament? Yes, actually under the given circumstances, that because of the Reichstag fire degree, some political opponents were already imprisoned and the SS or SA intimidating voters or even kidnapping and torturing them, the achieved 43.9% is considered as a loss for the NSDAP. Ah, here you can already see that since the start in a national socialist Germany, there is no place for people with a different opinion or people who do not fit to the Nazi ideals or views and that they are brutally suppressed by the NSDAP with no humanity. That was indeed the case during the Nazi regime, but this behavior got even more radical in the later years of the war, with the SS even killing Wehrmacht soldiers who were not willing to fight in the hopeless defense of an encircled Berlin in 1945. How horrible, but let's come back to 1933. Excuse me, sorry for digressing. So, on March 21st, the Nazis turned the opening of the Reichstag into a big propaganda event to distract the people from Nazi violence and mislead observers about Hitler's real, in real attentions. And as you mentioned before, the Nazis needed a two-third majority, which they didn't get by themselves, to dissolve the parliament and fully destroy democracy to get absolute power over Germany. A big step closer to this aim was made at the 23rd March which with the passing of the Enabling Act by the Reichstag. So with this Enabling Act the Reichstag dissolved itself or got rid of its powers. But what was the reason for this or why did the other party members vote for this? There are different reasons. The strongest of them being simply fear of the Nazi violence. I've described before, with members of the SS and SA even standing in front and in the building. Another thing 
you, you should not forget to mention is that at this time the NSDAP wasn't the only nationalist and anti-democratic party. For example, the DNVP was strictly against the Weimar Republic. As I know, not everybody voted for the Enabling Act like the SPD with the only 94 votes against it. Yes, sadly that was actually the only party brave enough to vote against the Enabling Act, with Otto Welz holding a famous speech for democracy, calling out the people to stand up against fascism, finishing with the sentences, we greet the, the persecuted, the oppressed, we greet our friends in the Reich. Your steadfastness and loyalty de deserves administration. The courage of your convictions and your unbroken optimism guarantee a brighter future. But the speech could not convince the other parties or party members and they still voted for the Enabling Act. Correct, but as mentioned before, many were afraid about what could happen to them if they voted against it. And because of that, many didn't even show up or were already arrested before. So in the end, the voting ended with 444 votes for the Enabling Act and 94, all coming from the SPD, against the Enabling Act. So this gave the Nazis the power to rule without a presidential decree or authorization of the Reichstag. But as we know, they took further steps to get control over all parts and aspects of Germany. Exactly. And one of those steps was the law against the establishment of parties on 14th of July 1933, which marked the end of the parliamentary democracy and the party system. On the same day, they passed a law on plebiscites, which created an appearance of democratic acting by holding organized national referendums. As you can read up in the pref preface of Law to Safeguard, the Unity of Party and State, on German history and doc in documents and images. But to keep the chronological order, could you describe the term Gleichschaltung or Conformity Act called in English? Of course. In March 1933, Nazis got control over the Länder with the law for coordination for the individual states with the Reich by replacing most politicians of provincial parliaments with NSDAP members. A great percentage of people working in civil service also lost their jobs because of their political views or ethnic background. Those were also replaced by Nazi party members, with SS and SA leaders getting important positions in the security sector, like the police, allowing them to stabilize the Nazi dictatorship in the long run and suppress or pursue opponents. And what I know, additionally, one should not forget the Conformity Act was a period of time from 1933 till 1934 in which these actions took place. Also happening in this time period is the replacement of the trade unions with the Deutsche Arbeiterfront or the German Labour Front, which happened shortly after the Enabling Act. Could you describe us the happenings a bit more in detail? Well, initially, the first German Labour Day on 1st, 1st of May was declared a holiday. This has been demanded for decades by workers. However, the 2nd of May, SA and SS members occupied trade union offices and arrested officials. They also confiscated trade union property, with trade unions being effectively abolished. 
Following that, the German labor front was set up, was set up, over which the NSDAP could regulate loans and working times. Additionally, workers all also lost the right to strike. Due to this, the Nazis could keep the labor under control. Here we can see again that the new German government is aiming to get full control over all parts of Germany and eliminating all institutions with potential power, with exception of the Mehrmacht, which was left quite untouched as Hitler needed a competent military and leadership for planned future wars. Actually, the church was another remaining institution with power, acting mostly independent. To guarantee no interference in the, of the church in national concerns, the Nazi government would let the churches remain untouched in keeping their special institutional rights in exchange. This was written down in a concordat between the Vatican and the German state, signed by the representatives Cardinal Eugenio Pacelli and Franz von Papen. This you can read on the Reich concordat between the Holy See and, German Reich and the German Reich of the 20th July 1933. Also, the NSDAP did not just want control over the external institutions. There were also party internal fights for power, with the Night of the Long Knives, or Operation Hummingbird, being the most famous. And I actually informed myself a bit about this topic, as I find it really interesting that the Nazis even purged people in their own ranks for more power, even if it's just party internal. Indeed. Everybody who was seen as a potential threatening for the NSDAP, even if in their own ranks, could be seen as an enemy. As I said before, Operation Hummingbird is a great example for this, which was the execution of Röhm and other SA leaders by the SS. Röhm wanted to merge the SA with the military and create a new military organization. Hitler could not tolerate any rivalry between these two institutions and was convinced by Reichswehr generals and party higher-ups like Göring, Himmler and Goebbels that Röhm and the SA leaders would plan a coup against Hitler. Due to that, Röhm is arrested with other SA leaders in the Munich Hotel on the 30th of June 1934, with some being shot on the spot. As you can read in Erich Kempka's eyewitness description of Operation Hummingbird on June the 30th, 1934. Here you can again see the Nazi brutality, which was a key factor for creating a totalitarian Nazi state. Overall, you can see their way to power was often not fully legitimate, with their methods often basing on fear and violence, or summed up by suppressing potential enemies or opponents, put into action by the SA or SS. The way to total power was based on eliminating all other powerful institutions besides the NSDAP. What one should not forget to add is that they did not accept any different thinking people. Later in the war, even people not believing about the NSIG were considered traitors, as you can clearly see in Martin Bormann's Directive 5543 from the 29th of September 1943. Also people not fitting in their ethnical views were victims of the NSDAP. The propaganda operators one should also not forget to mention with Nazi higher-ups like Hitler or Goebbels holding speeches influencing millions of people. The state-controlled media are also tools for the propaganda operators, which are able to influence millions. But 
That's already it for today's episode. I hope you had a fun time listening and obviously a big thanks to our guest for joining us today. No problem. It was a pleasure being here. Stay tuned for next week's podcast where we talk about Germany preparing for war and how they triggered the Second World War.